so then back to the the moment where everything started to change of you know being in a restaurant in london not drinking and asking if they had anything good non-alcoholic and you know being presented with this pink monstrosity of a fruity sweet horrible mocktail and just going enough like enough maybe there's something that i can do Welcome to the Lush Life Podcast. I'm your drinking companion, Susan Schwartz, and I bring you the how-to guide for living life one cocktail at a time. Thanks to my mother's love of martinis, the first words I spoke were shaken, not stirred, and I've been obsessed by cocktails ever since. Together, we'll learn from bartenders, brand ambassadors, distillers, and others why certain drinks are popular in certain cultures, how to make the perfect old-fashioned, when to shake and when to stir, and so much more. Hear that sound? It's time to cozy up to the bar and let the fun begin. Happy New Year. Welcome back to Lush Life Podcast. Did you get a chance to catch up on all the episodes you missed last year? No? Well, we're on Spotify as well as iTunes and Android, so you can listen to one episode on Spotify and then double back to iTunes and Android just for fun. Keep doing this until you've heard them all and then come back for new episodes on any platform you wish. Dry January was an anathema to me. Why would you want to substitute your old-fashioned for some fruity concoction in the middle of January, especially if you live in London where it's rainy and cold most every day? That was before I tasted Seedlip. We are so lucky that our guest today, Ben Branson, followed a random Google search to a book written in the 17th century called The Art of Distillation. The next day, Seedlip was born. But I'll let him tell you the story. So I grew up in North Lincolnshire, um, so about a four-hour drive from London, straight up the country. Good farming land and enjoyed a great childhood outdoors, basically, making dens, playing around in fields and tractors and uh, trying to shoot pigeons and rabbits. Well, your, was your family um, farmers then? Yeah, so we've been farming for about 320 years. Were they active, active farmers? Yeah, we're still farming today. Did you um, help? Yeah, I mean, I, I helped as much as I could, you know, sitting on tractors in school holidays and uh, certainly going out, uh, spending a lot of time with my grandfather, um, sitting in pea fields, you know, which is why we now transitioned right through to being able to use ingredients from our farm in Seedlip. It, um, what did they grow? Uh, all arable, so mainly wheat, barley, corn, peas, potatoes... And then a bit of oilseed rape, bit of turnip. Um, but yeah, we're we're really lucky that we're still kind of farming today because it's not not easy. Now, when you were young, did you think this is something I want to do, or were you like, I want to get out of here as I, soon as possible? I definitely, I definitely had a love for the outdoors. I definitely fell in love with plants and animals and um, just the space and freedom of being outside and that feeling like a playground far more than swings and roundabouts and arcade games and, you know, sitting indoors looking at screens. Um, 
So the idealistic view of a farm. Yeah, of just... Not, uh, oh my God, I have to get up at five o'clock and milk the cow. No, that that was just like getting up early and working hard was just normal. Like it just became normal because you're surrounded by your family and that's what they're doing and that's what the men are doing and that's how farm works. And so my father is not in farming, mum's in farming, my dad's in design and traveled a lot and he worked really hard too so I just I I feel very fortunate that I grew up with this kind of love of the land and where things come from and also a really great work ethic of just you know work hard don't complain get on with it so design was in your family yeah so so dad's that is something I couldn't do yeah so yeah it's funny these two strange worlds of kind of farming and design um and so growing up, I, you know, I remember, you know, eight years old, I kind of, I was fully aware that we had a sack of potatoes in our kitchen. They were our potatoes. And then I was also fully aware that I was really intrigued by what my dad did and by brands and design. Um, and so, yeah, two seemingly very disparate worlds. I've now been able to bring together, work with mum and the farms and work with dad on the design. But your first love, I guess, was design. Yeah, I don't... Should, can I call it love? Or yeah, I mean, I, I love... I guess I... I feel like I love nature first and then bringing it to life through design um, is a way of kind of celebrating and championing how, how, how incredible nature is um, and doing it in a kind of beautiful and meaningful way. But right off the bat, you were young when you started. Yeah, I mean, I, I went and did I went and did work experience. Uh, came down in London in school holidays. You know, from thirteen, would come and spend a couple of weeks. Uh, Who were a, you working for? I worked for my father's agency, oh. so I would literally be arranging the books or going and buying samples of X, Y, and Z, depending on what they were, what brand they were working on. Um, and so it was this, yeah, it was kind of a strange school holidays of sort of sitting in a tractor or a combine and or being in London amongst designers and the kind of bright lights of the city. Um, but in, in, in hindsight, both, both aspects have all led me to Seedlip in, mm-hmm. in a strange way. So you were 15, 13 working and you yep. thought, okay, I'm going to pursue the design thing. So yeah, I did. Straight into it. So. Yeah, I left. I knew I got to 18. I left school. I thought, I don't, I'm, I, I don't, you know, farming is not cool. Uh, I'm 18 years old. I, I want to go and experience the world. And, um, you know, Lincolnshire is a, a very steady county. It's very slow you know, traditional and the quiet life. And I was kind of like, hey, look, I'm 18. I'm, I'm, I want to get stuck into life and uh, get down to the city and go and see, go and kind of start working for dad and just kind of get mucking in. I did a cooking course down here. Uh, I had some, I kind of spent some time at the design agency. I did everything from working in a pub to selling gas door-to-door to landscape gardening. I was a security guard. So we can't say that the cooking and the working in the pub led you to this yet. <laughs> Not quite. I mean, yeah, I knew I loved, I loved food. I'd try anything as a kid. Uh-huh. And I loved restaurants. And 
you know, I, I love just ingredients. And so that, that food element has definitely stayed with me. Um, being a security guard and, and working in a pub, not, not maybe, not, not so much. Um, so, um, what do you think was the, the moment when you said, I have this idea, um, I'm working in design, mm -hmm. it's a crazy idea, you know, how am I going to pursue this? Kind of, was there a moment? There was a moment when I'd, I'd, I kind of, I'd started growing, you know, I was growing lots of herbs at home and I was looking into what other seeds I could buy and what other well, varieties. Let's back up. You say you're buying lots of herbs at home. Yeah. Um, why? Uh, just because I guess from, from growing up as a kid, uh, growing stuff in our garden and growing stuff on the farm, I was just like, well... So to eat it? Yeah, yeah. I've now, I've now, exactly. Your... I've now got a garden, okay. so I want to play around and grow tomatoes and cucumbers and peas and rosemary and mint and thyme and and I kind of could do that and then it was like okay what else can I grow that's I'm a great lover of natural history so any opportunity to go hold on a minute what's a little bit rarer what's a bit more unusual what have we probably forgotten what can you not walk into a supermarket and buy and you know, you get so on. you had this inherent curiosity yeah, about, I, about plants, things that you could find exactly, in history. Exactly. And what what kind of what we've lost and what sort of needs to be rediscovered. Um, and so yeah, it was a chance to get on the internet and start roaming around and uh, looking at old cookbooks and looking at coming across kind of, you know, the idea of herbal medicine and botany and this sort of world I guess started to open up. Um, and then I, I found myself looking at 200 ingredients that were mentioned in this book and it was a book about distillation. Were I, you just Googling? Yeah, stuff? I was you Googling. Literally it was Google find. It was literally, you start, you know, you start here and you end up down the rabbit warren kind of going, how the hell did I get from sort of, you know, herbs to grow at home right. in Google to now I'm looking at, at this copy of a book that had been scanned in um, that I'm just looking at the ingredients and then actually I'm kind of learning that it's a book about distillation and it's a recipe book and it's full of remedies and it was written in the 17th century um, and as I started to sort of get deeper into that and try and decipher some of the language I'm seeing like drawings of copper stills and loads of kind of scientific equipment and then you get a bit further and you go, oh, okay, I, I kind of understand what's going on. They were making medicine, and this is back when alcohol was a medicine, mm -hmm. but also they were making non-alcohol medicine, and they were using herbs and spices, and this was apothecaries making remedies for people of that time who were clearly ill, sanitation, disease, rife. Um, okay, distillation. Well, I know a bit about distillation because I did some work in my design career on the likes of Absolute and Glenmore and G. So I kind of understand some of the principles. I've not heard of this non-alcohol side. Um, I love arts and crafts and I'll give anything a go. So I don't know, can you buy one of these copper stills on the mm. internet? You know, can, yes, you can, 50 pounds or whatever it was. Um, so, so you really had no idea what you were going in for. You no, just thought this is a fun idea. This is a fun idea. You like, weren't expecting to create a remedy for. No, you, I mean, I I went to. We're very fortunate. No, exactly. <laughs> we're we're fortunate where we live up up in Lincolnshire that 
we have Europe's biggest antique center about five miles away from where we live. And I discovered a old flower press there. So I bought the flower press. I started playing around pressing flowers. You know, I, I, I am curious and I like arts and crafts and I like giving stuff a go and probably acting first rather than learning about it, reading about it, if that makes sense. So yeah, my girlfriend was not, was not surprised coming home one evening and I'm there in the kitchen with a still and a whole load of mint from the garden. You know, it, it, she didn't really, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just playing around with this. The new non-alcoholic breath freshener, yeah, right? Sure. <laughs> it was then, so then back to the, the moment where everything started to change of, you know, being in a restaurant in London, not drinking and asking if they had anything good non-alcoholic and you know, being presented with this pink monstrosity of a fruity, sweet, horrible mocktail and just going, enough, like, enough. Maybe there's something that I can do with with this contraption that I've got at home and pull like together. one fruity drink too many. Yeah, just... And Seedlip was born. And Seedlip was born and, again, no idea what I was in for. Um, but two years later... I'd somehow managed to find myself in my car delivering the first cases to Selfridges and then going home and, and saying to my girlfriend, I'm done, I don't want to do this, <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore, I'm, I'm spent. Well, there's a long, wait, so you have the idea and yeah. there's, you know, a lot, there's two years you yeah. said. So obviously idea to fruition. Yes takes a winding road it does so um you had this idea and then you started to create things yeah you know? then i then i started to do i guess i kicked off in my brain i was just like well I, I need to sort of work on two simple streams one is well i'm going to start in earnest playing around with this still and playing around with ingredients and secondly my comfort zone of bringing how am I going to bring this to life and what am I going to call it and what's the bottle going to be and the cap and uh who all your going... design the design yeah. brain kicked in yeah so that you even had the product yeah so it was kind of trying to work these two streams in parallel um, but of course the design part is the easy part and the yeah fun that part that was the knew. exactly that was that was kind of like oh I know how to write a brief and I know I know that I can kind of lay all the right foundations for how we bring this to life. Um, I then had no, the other element of, well, how do you launch a business from a business perspective? And I signed up for the wrong tax scheme and I, you know, I made lots of different. But even before that, it's how do I know that a distillation from peas is gonna taste good? Yeah, I mean, how do um, I know that even anyone's gonna want this? Right. <laughs> you know? Um, so you started playing around, I guess? I started playing around um, initially just using techniques from the book, which were, from a technical perspective, hydrolates, which are just steam distillates. Is this the same book? This is, is the same. same this is the same book. So I went to I I when I set my mind to something I kind of I go all in and so I tracked down the original copy of the book which sits in the British Library. It was King George III's copy. Uh, I visited farming museums. I visited botanical gardens from Edinburgh right down to Devon. And of course we have the Chelsea Physic Garden right here in London. Yes. Yeah. Um, went to Kew Chelsea Physic. Eden Project, Oxford Botanical Gardens, Edinburgh Botanical Gardens. Um, I spoke to botanists, I spoke to distillers, I spoke to historians at the British Library about the history of the book. I emailed 200 bars, restaurants and hotels in London, asked them to send me 
their non-alcoholic cocktail list, totally analyze the pricing, learn about, you know, I met as many people as I could for coffees and pick their brains. Well, in the original book, uh, was there one that struck gold with them? You know, was, or do they give you a clue as to, oh, well, when we mixed mint, pea, and potato, or whatever, it was fantastic. Did well, they give you those clues? I, I tried some of the actual blends, and let me tell you, they were definitely not making anything that was meant to taste good back then. So this was... I guess you, if it tastes worse, you thought it was good for exactly, you. Exactly, <laughs> and, and you would imagine that people would be having a little shot of something, of, of like cough syrup, you know, cough syrup. Um... So I was like, okay, I need to, they're not, I can't take an actual blend. So I need to look at what ingredients are in there and also what ingredients I grow on my farm and base two flavor profiles around two ingredients. I was like, I've got to start with a kind of ingredient that I love. Um, Were you still distilling at home? Yeah, this is, this is me starting to uh, understand things from a technical perspective about stability and about uh, flavor compounds and molecules and sterile filtration and getting into all the kind of, I guess, geekiness. The scientific The scientific side, which is not naturally where my brain goes, but I I just love it. I I kind of, I love absorbing it and I love learning about it. And so I learned that the technique of just using water, steam and the plant and a still that was going on back in the 17th century uh, would not give me a product that could sit on a back bar and really hold its flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to bring alcohol into the process. And so that was a, uh, an interesting experience of kind of like, okay, I'm going to use alcohol as a processing aid. It's not an ingredient. It's not for flavor. Um, it's actually an amazing solvent. It's amazing for extraction. And it's also an incredible preservative. And so when I started to actually then reframe how I approached using a still and how I approached using alcohol in the process, suddenly some things started to fall into place. And things like, okay, I can't distill a blend. I need to celebrate each ingredient and find the purest way of extracting the kind of the pea's true character rather than throwing it all in at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we individually distill each ingredient, which means it takes us a lot longer to make a bottle, um, but is we don't, there's nothing to hide behind with Seedlip because there's no sugar, there's no alcohol. So you, you literally are celebrating um, the true character of each plant that we're working with. So really it's the person who combines it yeah, who, yeah. Who the blender, the master, the blender. It's all about the blending. The blend is the blend is is all of it, and you know my peas change year to year. Our allspice berries that we get from our farmer in Jamaica um, exclusively, they change year to year. Um, so I was out in Jamaica about ten weeks ago for allspice harvest with Mr. Sherlock, who's our farmer there, and he was showing me some allspice berries from previous years, and. Yeah, it changes. The climate, you know, when you're working with the land and soil and weather, and um, it changes. And therefore, we can, because we're doing everything individually, we can tweak. Does that make you panic when you hear that? or do you No, because I, I love, I, that to me is just part of the wonder of nature. Um, I, I meant, because a lot of people now, they want, 
you know, they want everything to taste exactly the same, as in they want the customer, every customer to have the same exact experience. Yeah. There are a lot. That's kind of a trend. Yes. So, so I, 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 there's a, a 10 to 15% allowance for nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what comes with working with real ingredients. And I'm totally okay with that. Um, yeah, I never thought I saw why it was a problem anyway. I think, you know, you know it's, it's not a problem experience. in wine. Right. It's definitely not a problem in wine. Um, and really, I think for the majority of people who are drinking drinks, they aren't fully conscious of what they're even drinking, you know? Sad- I mean, not sadly, because we live in a world now where people are way too busy and many other priorities than remembering what a sweet tastes like or that bar of chocolate or that cereal. Or one old fashioned from another old exactly. fashioned. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, so you have this, that. you've, you've got this stuff. Yep. You think it tastes good. Yep. You make the break yep. from your, your day job. Yeah. So I, I, you have your gorgeous bottle, you have it all. How do you start even selling it? Uh, or convincing well, people they need it. Well, um, I, I set myself rather a, um, I guess an ambitious uh, goal of, look, if I can get uh, the, the, the best spirits buyer, the best bartender, uh, you know, the best chef um, on board with this and they think it's great, then maybe there's something in this. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, we were very lucky that... Uh, I got to go and meet Dawn Davies, who's the now ex Selfridges Spirits Bar. An amazing palette. She's a fountain of knowledge and she loved it. She then introduced me to five of the best bartenders in London. So I was suddenly walking into the Savoy, I was walking into Dandelion. Um, they all loved it. Then I'm walking into the Fat Duck and I'm walking into the Ledbury, and the, you know, the, the madness begins. and they loved it and suddenly I, I was like okay I'm gonna I was gonna bottle 500 bottles I'm gonna bottle a thousand bottles I think it's gonna last me five months um, so how long did it take to make a thousand bottles six weeks all right um, so that's yeah all all hands on deck mm-hmm. um, that's roping in people to help me label bottles right. that's putting cases in the back of my car delivering them standing there sampling doing an event in the evening um, so I did 20 events in the first 21 days. It's To go back to when you met with Selfridges, mm. you, you know, it must have been so gratifying to know that what you thought tasted good, someone else did as well. Not just your girlfriend and your mom and dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't go down the, hey, let's do loads of consumer research. And um, because people see lips the world the first of its kind and and so there's no there's no kind of comparison and no benchmark of did you serve it to her neat i served it i served her to her neat and i served her a seed lip and tonic okay and she told me she only had 15 minutes of my time and that she didn't like anything without alcohol in so that was the that was the (laughs) gauntlet that was laid down to me and i i can you know i just remember going and i spent an hour with her She's pulling people in. Hey, John, come and taste this. Come and try this, guys. So you guys. knew you had her after 16 minutes. And I was just like, okay, wow. Uh, okay. And she's like, right, well, we want it. Um, okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, 
And then I left, and there's a coffee shop just across the road from Selfridges, and I went, sat down, tried to kind of gather my thoughts, uh, opened up my email, and then literally this stream of uh, awesome new product, awesome new product, awesome new product, awesome new product, five emails came into my inbox, and I'm being introduced to all these amazing bartenders, and the merry-go-round began. Um, well, I have to admit, I tried it. I had been invited to a new gym okay. tasting, and someone there worked for Seedlip, and they said, have you tried this? And mm. I said, no. And literally, we left the little area of that bar, went, to, or the, of, you know, there were a couple seats, and they were having yep. the tasting there. We went to the bar. The guy said, oh, could you make her this? And I tried, I said, this is really good. I need to interview Ben. <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually at a gym tasting that... <laughs> I don't yeah, it's remember fu- the gym. It was all about Seedlip. So funny I understand. Be- it's funny because um, there's some people that have got in some, some fairly strong legal trouble around uh, calling products alcohol-free gins, um, which is, is absolutely right in that you know, the majority ingredient to be legally called a gin has to be juniper. And we have deliberately not used any juniper. Um, we've deliberately based, I guess, flavor profiles around majority ingredients that are unique to us, allspice berries and peas. Um, And instead of trying to mimic something else, um, yeah, we've gone, actually, hold on a minute, we're not constrained by any categories. We can create unique flavor profiles and... Well, speaking of that... um when you started the first, you had this idea for the first set of flavors, was it just kind of your, now that you have more range, you mm-hmm. have more more um, flavors in your range, um, was it, um, I want these to be what I like the best, or? It was a bit know? of a combination of, um, I lost my sense of smell when I was 21 for about uh, seven or eight months. And it had an, I mean, it was, it wasn't great, but it had, it's had a profound effect on me ever since in that I smell everything and I smell a room. I, you know, I, I do it now without realizing that, um, I'm constantly, I guess, taking in my surroundings and doing a lot of that through smell and my guiding kind of, I guess my, my guiding thoughts on Seedlip Spice and on Seedlip Garden were both based on memories, um, and they were they were memories associated with the farm, and so Seedlip Garden was kind of okay me in a pea field with my grandfather, you know, cracking a pea fresh from the field from the plant. How can I kind of capture that sort of bright summer's day, sitting in the middle of nowhere, just eating peas with my grandpa? Um, and then for Seedlip Spice, I, I always remember the kind of the smell of harvest and not the kind of cereally corn smell, but the actual kind of earthy, dusty, musky smell. And that might not sound very attractive as a, as a drink, um, but Seedlip Spice, because it's so aromatic and, and it's got that spice and musk note to it was a really good guiding principle because I was like, well, I'm not trying to be like something else. So we, I want to work on unique kind of flavors. Um, and it's a guide, you know, it's sort of become this guiding, I guess my nose has guided me um, 
with a, with other products that we're going to launch in the future as well, and that it just becomes this great compass. Well, speaking of those mm. future products, yes. I once read that you said there was something dark in yeah. your future. Yeah. Both of these, the spice and the garden, mm. are clear liquids. Yes. Um, you know, everyone says, well, a lot of bartenders, I should say, I interviewed, I asked them what their favorite drink is, and they say, anything brown. Yep. Yeah. Did you feel, do you feel the pressure to create I something brown? I Well, I started thinking about um, a dark spirit when I was working on these two. So in terms of a dark spirit, it's been in the works for us for three years. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not very good at keeping secrets. So, you know, I we were going to launch this dark spirit last year. So I started talking about that it was coming in press interviews. And uh, we've had some real technical challenges with it. And so haven't launched it yet. Um, we are going to get there. Um, it's technically... Yeah, a whole seedlip garden and spice were technically challenging. Uh, a dark one takes it on a whole other level. Um, and it's not, it's definitely not, yeah, I don't, I don't feel the pressure. I feel the, uh, from the outside, uh-huh. I think pressure from internally from us just going, we've got this amazing liquid. Uh, it's really special. Um, it's really groundbreaking what we're doing with it. Come on, can we just crack it and get this in a bottle? Um, so yeah, it's it's going to come. It's just a it's a when, not if. Well, you also said that you wanted to distill all of Shakespeare. Yes. So do you? Which I love that. Do you see your product as inherently British? I mean, you didn't say I want to distill Proust or no. or Dante. No. You know, um, maybe they're doing that in Italy and France, but you know that definitely came. Yeah, to me, I, it came from a very uh, proud sense of being British. Yeah, I am. I'm. I guess I could never live in another country and I love the English countryside and I, I find it extremely special and sadly, you know, a lot of it's being spoiled, which is a shame or being sold or built on or whatever. But um, I think we balance this, you know, kind of English roots and my family's farming history and peas and hay and good English ingredients with then being able to not have to stay strictly um, English in everything that we do in the, you know, seedlip spice, allspice berries from Jamaica and green cardamom from Guatemala and far more exotic and international in the sourcing that we do. Um, but yeah, I guess English countryside is, is definitely our kind of our roots and our home and our foundation. Um, and English natural history and certainly kind of the history of England is, yeah, is really important to me. Um, and part of, you know, it's just a, a whole load of treasure there to go and uncover and discover and repurpose and sort of bring back to life. It, it feels like that's part of our job is, is to reimagine things for the modern day. And that's all in a bottle of seedlip. And that's all in a bottle of seedling. Which I think it's time to try. Yeah, let's do it. All right, should we make something? Yep. I have to thank Ben for making everyone's January all the more exciting. 
It was great to speak to him, and I can't wait for the new addition to his sea lip story. I dare you to try our cocktail of the week and not want another one right away. It's Ben's Espresso Martino, and it's so easy. You'll need 50 ml of Sea Lip Spice 94, 50 ml of Sandoz Gold Brew Concentrate or any other coffee liqueur, 15 ml of sugar syrup, and 3 coffee beans. Put everything except the coffee beans in a shaker and then shake, shake, shake. Double strain so you don't have any ice sneak into the drink, and then serve in a coupe glass. Garnish with the three coffee beans, and there you have it. You'll find this recipe and several other non-alcoholic seed lip recipes on alushlifemanual.com, where you'll also find all the ingredients in our shop. Next week, we head to Mexico with another Ben, Ben Schroeder of Pensador Mezcal, who swears a little old man appeared before his eyes to tell him exactly where to find the best mezcal in Mexico. It was meant to be. Until next time, bottoms up. Thanks for listening to the Lush Life Podcast, the sister of A Lush Life Manual. For more information and links to everything you heard, plus a bit more, please visit alushlifemanual.com. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation. And always drink responsibly. Okay, I said that last part. Theme music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. Lush Life is produced by Evo Terra. And I'm your hostess, Susan Schwartz. I'll see you at the bar.